So I'm really looking forward to this conversation with uh, Pallavi from the uh, Green Party. And we should point out this is part of our focus on political parties in a year in which we will almost certainly have a general election. The Green Party has been represented in Parliament by Caroline Lucas, who's been an outstanding voice for Green causes, but uh, she's standing down. So we want to be clear what the party stands for. I think it's really refreshing to um, come across people working in the political sphere who've had careers in the real world and are really bringing that knowledge from the real world into the roles that they're looking to influence policy around. Hi, I'm Naomi Murphy and this is the Locked Up Living podcast where we talk with a wide range of people about harsh aspects of institutional life. We also explore some of the ways to overcome them and to grow and develop. I'm David Jones. So join us every Wednesday morning, six o'clock UK time for a fresh podcast. So today our guest is Dr Pallavi Davula Pali. Pavali is a Green Party councillor and the Green Party spokesperson on health. She's a first generation immigrant from Hyderabad in India and works as a GP and she's been involved in environmental activism since she came to the UK. Really delighted to get you on today, Pallavi, to have a conversation with you. Welcome. Thank you so much, Naomi and David. Really lovely to be here. Hello, Balavi. Very nice to meet you. Thanks for coming along. So we've heard a lot about the toxic environment at uh, Westminster over the last few years, actually, particularly in relation to women. Why on earth do you want to work there? That's a really good question. Um, yes, it is disheartening and the stories are quite horrendous, aren't they? But I think uh, it's all the more reason to go in there. Uh, I've never been able to watch uh, bad things happen without trying to do something about it in however small a way. And I think this is part of that, it's an extension of that. If the opportunity presents itself, I will go to Westminster. I think each of us has the potential to be um, part of the problem or a part of the solution. And that can be in a really small way or a really big way. And it's important for every individual to actually take a stand and decide that they're going to be a part of the solution. And uh, that's my main motivation. I think just my presence there will help. And invariably, if I'm in there, um, I will, you know, put my shoulder to the wheel of trying to change things for the better. We've got to change things. I think our people deserve better. Uh, Ordinary people do not deserve the government that we currently have, I don't think. Um, It's been foisted upon them through various machinations and the way the political system works. Um, And we definitely need to do better. They deserve better. We all deserve better. Yes, we're certainly in a strange state, aren't we, where the process of electing people in an apparent, in an apparently democratic uh, style and process leads to us having four prime ministers in less than five years. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? How did you become interested in politics, though? I've always been interested in politics since I um, became conscious of the world, really. So starting from childhood, uh, early teenage, I used to have quite uh, interesting debates with my dad growing up as a teenager. Um, Because I think I became aware that politics affects every one of us. 
whether we're actively, you know, a politician or whether we're ordinary citizens, our politics affects us all. What politicians do affects every one of us. And um, once I came to the UK, um, I didn't go look at party politics at all initially. I was, you know, like every other person, like most people. I had my career, I had my family and friends and, you know, I was doing stuff. I was quite busy. Uh, but but when things started happening locally, once I became aware of the environmental crisis, the whole climate crisis, um, I felt I had to do something. So that's when we started the uh, non-political group to try and raise awareness and change things locally. Uh, then I got involved in a campaign against an incinerator, which was intensely political. It was being driven by one political group. And uh, it seemed like a foregone conclusion. So when we stepped up to fight this incinerator, Every person, or every second person, it seemed, told me not to waste my time. They said, it's a done deal. The money's been bought. Millions have exchanged hands. The contract's been signed. You know, there is no point. But I've never believed in fighting for something because you think you're going to win. You get into something because you feel it's the right thing to do for yourself and for people around you. So we persisted. And amazingly, against all the odds, we won. It took a concerted effort on, uh, it was a multi-pronged approach. And that gave me my first taste of politics, but without being within a party still. The, following on from that, I think it was the uh, absolute um, dismay that I felt um, at the elections in 2015. My heart sank at the result and I realized that I really had to show my colors and pin them to a mast. And that's when I joined the Green Party. So yeah, I've been um, more politically active, I guess, since then in a more conventional sense of being within a party and uh, yeah. Thank you very much. So you're of course a qualified GP and a specialist, a skin test specialist as I understand. Do you think it's important that MPs have experience of working in the real world beyond uh, Westminster? I think it's essential. I really do. I don't understand how someone can actually decide to make policies without having ever experienced what an ordinary workplace is like. Because it teaches us so much, going to work, interacting with people from all walks of life. You know, in my case, I meet hundreds of people, you know, every month uh, as patients, as staff, as colleagues. And all that has enriched me in my, and broadened my horizons in a way that I would not have had that, you know, um, advantage if I'd gone straight into politics. Because politics is such a responsible place to be. And it may be that one of the reasons we're in such a mess is because so many politicians have no idea what it is like, what it's like to live in the world, you know, and what it's like to be an ordinary person. They've grown up in wealth, in incredible wealth and privilege, and uh, they can't relate to people, they can't relate to problems, and yet they're making policies that affect every one of us. I think that's true. I, there was one year where I looked up at all the members of the cabinet to see what jobs they'd done before they became MPs, and none of them had, had worked outside Westminster. You know, they'd been political researchers or civil servants um, there. I think, you know, really, it feels like the only justification for going straight into politics is if you're going in to represent young people, you know, with the young people's voice, yeah. where they would have not had the chance to, to do so. But it, 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 does feel quite shocking, really, the lack of real-life experience that people have. Yeah. The public has seen there's a massive problem with corruption among MPs. 
What do you think the Green Party can do to address this? Well, the Green Party um, doesn't have any corporate sponsors. We're not beholden to big business. So that gives us a huge advantage. Obviously, it's a huge disadvantage because we're competing against parties which have 10, 20 times our budget for campaigning, for spending. But equally, I think it keeps us clean. Uh, we don't, we're not uh, pressured to do the wrong thing. So we can always focus on the science and the ethics. You know, we, we can focus on being compassionate and doing what the right thing is. Um, and this has been borne out in all the councils where we are represented. You know, we've cons- consistently pushed for policies that will help the common person, um, help alleviate people's suffering and help reduce the impacts of climate change uh, and reduce emissions as well, of course. So um, this, this is um, quite important and it's important that we stay that way, my opinion. Uh, I, I think we will, because um, our very DNA is is about um, compassion and about um, helping all living creatures on the planet. Thank you. Everyone probably knows that the Green Party is committed to alleviation of environmental concerns, but how, how does this shape policies concerning seemingly unrelated areas what's the underlying philosophy we recognize that everything is interconnected so all our policies are also interconnected so whether we talk about health or transport or defense peace and security all of these things are very closely interconnected and our policies are more like a web so for example we're currently rewriting the health policy and there will be several links within that policy to all the other policies in the party because you know where we live has a huge impact on our health Uh, Whether we have a home, a roof over our head, uh, determines our longevity. There's a direct link to our lifespan and whether, you know, you have a stable home. Uh, Cold homes kill people, make us ill. So uh, having green space accessible to you, freely available, influences how happy we are. Whether you have an active way of getting to school or work, determines our physical health and mental health. So everything is interconnected and we're very clear about that. And this is how nature works as well. So we take our clues from nature and we are very, very clear about that. And this is something that uh, underpins all of our policies. So how, how did the Green Party hope to influence um, ideas around health? What, what do you stand for in, in, in that sense? So we have two broad um, areas. The first is uh, recognising that the health service as it stands at the moment is woefully underfunded and is gradually drifting away from public ownership into private hands. So we are very, very clear and unequivocal that we will invest in a public national health service. We will restore it, uh, we will um, make it sustainable and we will not uh, quibble about putting funds into it to bring it back to where it needs to be. It's not currently doing the job. Uh, and the, the answer is mostly lies within um, the political direction that successive governments have taken us in. Political choices have been made to underfund it Um, to devalue staff that are working in it, to not uh, put in proper capital funding in place for hospitals, for buildings, for infrastructure. All of this has had a devastating effect um, on morale, on staffing levels and on the infrastructure. And obviously, all of this then impacts on the public's perception of the health service as one that is failing. So that's one very clear um, message that I want to get out there. The second thing, which is unique to the Green Party, is that we want to look at the wider determinants of health. We will invest heavily 
in things like active transport, better housing, green spaces, having community hubs, uh, reducing loneliness, investing in public transport, because all of these things are slightly invisible and we don't immediately think of them when we think health. But we know for a fact, and the evidence is there, to show that these factors impact upon health massively. And by addressing these, we actually reduce the burden of ill health, which will then directly result in savings for the health service. It will reduce the burden of ill health. It will improve our um, well-being. It will improve our economic productivity. And it will reduce the expenditure that we have to make on health. So we can see the savings. Obviously, we know it will take time to get to that point. Uh, but that's the long goal, to make the whole population healthier so that we can all benefit. It's really refreshing to hear more sort of joined up thinking and, and approaching problems from a systemic point of view. Because both, obviously, as health professionals, both David and I have seen that, you know, the impact of things like poverty, poor housing and, and how that influences people's mental health. But also we know that mental and physical health are, are very, very much interwoven. Should, should MPs be allowed to have investments in private health care, Pallavi? In my opinion, no. Uh, we have a fantastic publicly funded health service in the country um, and there should be no reason for anyone to have uh, private investments in private investments in private health care. But I think I'd like to draw a broader point. I don't think MPs should have second jobs, full stop. I really don't. I don't think especially that they should be allowed to be directors of companies um, or, or do anything outside of parliament. You know, if they have a vocation, and they want to do it part-time while remaining an MP in order to keep their registration alive, you know, that's probably slightly different. But on the whole, an MP's job should be to do their job because, goodness me, you know, it's a, it, it really should take up all their time. Where do they find the time to do anything else? I don't understand. I genuinely don't. I'd much rather pay them more, you know. There was an MP who says he's not going to stand again because the £120,000 that he's getting isn't enough. This is an Norfolk MP you might have seen in the news. I'm thinking, actually, in a way, I respect the man for being open about it, because we have so many other people who are just taking their MP's drawings and carrying on with their other jobs, you know, and not doing anything, you know, of actually representing the people who've elected them. So we have a deeply flawed system in Parliament, and I'd like us to actually get away from that pay parliamentarians properly, pay MPs properly, so that they can actually devote themselves 100% to the job they've been elected to do. It's a very important job. It has implications for generations of people and for the whole world, actually, because don't forget, Britain is very influential on the world stage still. You know, we're one of the biggest economies in the world. So we have a lot of clout. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. I'd really like us to take that seriously. Yeah, it's really disheartening, I think, when you, see, when you see footage from Parliament and you see maybe 10 MPs sat there. And I wouldn't mind if those other MPs were all busy doing constituency work. Um, you know, maybe there would be some kind of excuse for not being there during those debates. But you know full well that many of those people, it's because they're doing some other job at the yeah. same time. And yet it's a job that you can see it, it requires an awful lot. So... Yeah, absolutely. And how many candidates do you hope to field in any forthcoming election? So Caroline Lucas is synonymous with the Green Party. Do you think your party is going to suffer with their decision to stand down? 
I think it has been a blow, I'll be honest, uh, her decision to stand down. Um, but I think we have enough talent in the party that will rise up and fill the space that she's vacating. And I have enormous sympathy for her. It can't have been easy being the sole Green MP for this long. Um, the burden must have been enormous. And I fully respect her wishes to step away. Uh, the Green Party has become much more ambitious uh, as time passes. And as we've seen electoral successes in councils up and down the country, we have more than 800 councillors now uh, right across the country. So it's not as if we're a niche party in one part of the country. Um, and we are hoping to stand candidates in every single constituency for this election. Uh, so I think we'll achieve something close to that. Um, we might not get 100%, but I, th I think we will we'll not be too far off. Pallavi, can I ask you something related to health and environment, which you were talking about earlier on? Because I'm sure I read somewhere that you were involved with developing or trying to develop a marmot place. Do you recognise that? Yes, absolutely. So, um, so part, as I said, our health policy um, is uh, draws quite heavily on the work of Sir Michael Marmot uh, and uh, trying to reduce inequalities um, in population health, really. So that, that's very interesting. So, and you, but moving on, obviously Naomi and I have been very interested in finding out what each party has to offer on cutting crime and making society a safer place altogether. What do you think you have to offer over and above more prison places? We're certainly not interested in more prison places. Uh, we think that's the wrong way to go. Uh, we would, I think a lot of our work with the wider determinants of health will actually reduce crime anyway. Uh, so much crime is driven by poverty, desperation and lack of opportunities um, across society. So improving that will definitely reduce crime. We also have a clear policy on um, uh, making drugs um, available via controlled regulation. We want to um, stop this farce of drugs being illegal and yet widely used, widely available and widely accepted actually right across society. All that is doing is it's driving um, the entire drug industry into the hands of shady businesses which are not regulated, which are beyond the law, and which are terrorising people and victimising them. Uh, it's usually the poorest people, and actually young teenagers, many, many, too many of them, getting caught in the web of um, oppression and tyranny. And we think that that will go a long way to reducing crime in the country. Uh, we believe in rehabilitation um, and giving people a second chance. Obviously, there will always be people who need to be locked up. And, you know, we accept that. But uh, the entire thrust will be on reducing the the factors that drive crime so that the criminals are not formed in the first place. I think there's another issue there again about hypocrisy and MPs, isn't there? Because wasn't yes weren't substances found in Westminster itself so exactly about imposing policies on the rest of the population that might not be adhered to the, yes. the MPs themselves yeah and universities are rife with drugs you know so we need to stop kidding ourselves we need to stop uh, pretending that the problem doesn't exist or that it's somebody else's problem it belongs to all of us and we need to own it uh, it's terrifying to hear of young people taking substances of unknown quality you know, unknown potency, 
and then ending up in hospital. And the doctors are also slightly clueless because they don't know what's been given them. We'd much rather be, um, you know, just accept, acknowledge that this is what's happening, bring the problem to the surface, shine some light on it, make it safe. Um, and we have enough evidence internationally that actually um, making drugs legally available in a controlled way um, doesn't increase their use or abuse and vastly improves safety and reduces crime. Thank you. So, so moving on, moving on to immigration, what principles does the uh, Green Party hold to? And do, do you have any more to offer than another three-word slogan? <laughs> yes, definitely. For a start with refugees, we're very clear that refugees are welcome in the country. Uh, we think it's inhumane, uh, the entire rhetoric and spiel um, around the way ref refugees are referred to, uh, the dehumanising language that's used when they're spoken about. Refugees are people. Nobody leaves their country out of choice. You know, they leave because they're desperate. They leave because they feel they have no choice. They're risking life and limb to get here because we have no legal roots. So we will ha have legal roots uh, for refugees to come to this country. Greens will implement that. Uh, but even on a wider level, we actually would like to see a world where individuals are free to move around the world and live wherever they wish to. That's the ideal. You know, it'd be lovely to get to a place like that. We realise that feels a bit utopian at the moment. Uh, and obviously there is a need still to have borders and control over borders. But uh, bearing, the, bearing in mind that's the long goal. In the short term, we will um, have immigration um, and we will treat immigrants fairly um, because we need them. The simple answer is we cannot manage without them. With the Conservative government's uh, extreme rhetoric on immigration, we've seen that numbers have gone up, not down. Since Brexit, numbers have gone up, not down. You know, the countries where the immigrants have come from might be different at the end of the day. But we have uh, students from abroad who are propping up our universities because they pay such vastly higher fees. Uh, we have people propping up our health and care sectors, which are very close to my heart, you know, my day-to-day -day work. Uh, we have doctors, nurses and care workers all propping up the health and care sectors, without which it would, very simply speaking, collapse overnight. The NHS, from its inception, has depended on immigrants. Whether it was the Windrush generation, uh, you know, people from the Indian subcontinent later on, or Africa and Nigeria today actually is quite a big source of our NHS workers. So um, we need to accept that, we need to respect that. And I am pushing for a Green Party health policy to contain a provision to actually reciprocate to countries from where we get our workers so that we give something back to them. Because it, it's important to recognise that we've taken from them. You know, we've taken fully qualified doctors from poorer countries. And I think the least we can do is actually reciprocate by putting in training for them by offering them our skills, our expertise, maybe even funding, you know. The form of it, I'm happy to debate and discuss, but something needs to be in place, in my opinion, because it's not right. We are currently just taking, and there's no giving. Yeah, there's something deeply disturbing, isn't there, about hospitals, trusts going to poorer countries with the deliberate intention of recruiting staff to bring them across when you know full well that that that's then leeching the that country dry of its healthcare workers 
Can I just say, though, um, I think it's important to distinguish between uh, what's happening on a country level and what's happening to the individual. I would not want us to not allow people to migrate here to improve their own life chances and make themselves a better life. And I think the onus should be on the country from where these people are emigrating to treat them better, to pay them better, so that they don't feel the need to go. The reason people are migrating is because their own countries aren't providing them, you know, enough to live a dignified life. And unfortunately, Britain is now becoming that country. We're paying our doctors and nurses so badly that they're emigrating to other countries which are treating them better. So we can't, you know, uh, individuals must always have that choice. Where governments need to act is in valuing professionals within their own countries and acknowledging when we've taken from another. So in a country like Britain, we need to acknowledge, respect the fact that they've come from another country and then put something back, give something back to that country. This would be, I think, a better way to look at it. Thank you. Halaby, because of the first-past-the-post system that we have, smaller parties tend to get criticised for the risk of dividing the vote. I mean, you, you mentioned about hoping to field candidates in all in all seats. What, what, what would you say about that? This is a debate as old as our electoral system, isn't it? You know, this, this allegation, this accusation gets levelled at us at every election. Why don't you keep quiet and let, let the two biggies fight it out? Um, I think the reasons are that, uh, you know, if we didn't speak up, uh, I think the country would be in a worse position. The fact that we speak up and that we are gaining power means that um, the policies that we want to put in place are seeing the light of day. We need to have a bigger presence and we need to be open about it. I don't think we take votes away from anybody else. People who vote for the Green Party vote because they know that that's the government that they want to see in power. Too many people do not vote for Greens because of all these calculations that are bandied about. And that is a huge tragedy, in my opinion. Because if we saw the true numbers, we would be easily in double digits right across the country. And that's a huge percentage of the population. And uh, whoever comes to power will be foolish then to ignore that 15-20% of the population that wants these policies in place. So that then puts pressure on them to enact those policies. And this is without even considering that actually if everyone did vote as per their heart, we might see more green MPs. We will see more green MPs. And that's got to be such a good thing because every single green in positions of power will then fight vigorously for these policies. We're not career politicians. We're in this party because we want to make a difference. So um, it's, it's a good thing. I think it's important that we stand and I think it's important that we take every opportunity to talk about our policies so that the public are aware that there is a choice, that they're not stuck with these slightly defeatist, cynical policies that are peddled about by the two big parties, that we can do better. We can do much, much better as a country. Thank you. We know politics, is politics and activism is challenging. You've also spent a long time working for the NHS. How do you keep yourself feeling nourished and buoyant and optimistic? I think um, my yoga helps a lot, actually. It sounds a bit simplistic, but I practice yoga and um, I find that it gives me a lot of strength. Uh, the second thing is, uh, for me, work is a joy. Luckily, I'm one of these lucky, very lucky people. I love 
my job as a GP and I love what I do within politics because um, it's, it's things that I wholeheartedly believe in so there's no conflict and it doesn't feel like work so that helps as well. I think both these factors are great but having said that obviously there are times when I have to have some downtime and I will sometimes just spend a day vacantly not doing very much very very rarely but uh, that also helps just letting myself have you know the occasional downtime but uh, yeah it's 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 uh, it's fascinating I feel incredibly lucky actually to be able to do the things I'm doing thank you Pallavi it's been really lovely to meet you today thanks for giving us your time thank you thank you so much Thanks very much indeed, Pallavi. What I enjoyed about what Pallavi had to say about the Green Party was how refreshing it is to hear about the idea of systemic thinking and so the idea that what happens early on in life and what we do with children will subsequently impact on health, justice um, and makes much more sense than when we try and compartmentalise parts of society. I'd you know, much rather see this kind of systemic thinking and thinking about how all the sections of society weave together and having joined up policies um, rather than trying to split each off. Yeah, I agree. I really like that uh, Pallavi was a clear advocate for her party and gave us a fascinating account of their policies without any bluster or humbug, which is what one gets so often from politicians. So, as I understand it, they believe that tackling the wider influences on health, such as poverty and lack of opportunity, will help to reduce uh, crime. Likewise, I think they've got uh, a fresh policy or fresh ideas about policy on illegal drug use and expect that this would also reduce crime and that both of these should ease the prison population. I think it's really helpful to have that fresh look at these major social issues. Mm -hmm.